Well, it's been another week of ups and downs in the travel industry. We've seen an extension of JobKeeper payments, the final flight of Qantas's Queen of the Skies, and the sad closure of CMV Cruises. Plus, in other cruise news, we've had an update from Clear about new health measures, along with a further extension of the cruising pause. There's lots to talk about, so let's get into it. I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is Travel Daily News on the Fly. So I guess you'd have to have been living under a rock this week not to know that the government's JobKeeper payment has been extended. It's good news, but what are the details, Bruce? Yes, this has been highly anticipated with COVID-19 continuing to wreak havoc on the economy. The government's been closely watching what's been happening, obviously, and sensibly realised there's no way things are going to be back to normal by the end of September, which is when the first stage of JobKeeper was expected to end. So what have they announced this time? Well, basically, it's a six-month extension of the program, taking it out to the end of March 2021, but at a lower level, basically $600 a week for the first three extra months. So that's $150 less than the current $750. And then from early January, it drops to $500 per week. There's also stricter requirements for employers around accessing the payments. You've got to show that your turnover is down at least 30% for each of the last three quarters through to 31st of December if you want to continue receiving the payment in 2021. So it's great, but it's also interesting that it's being applied right across the economy with no specific recognition of the plight of the travel and tourism sectors. Look, obviously no one in travel or tourism is going to have any problem satisfying the requirements. Pretty much the whole industry has been trading at a deficit with the international borders closed and no hope whatsoever of an improvement until that changes. So we're all way down much more than 30%. And that's sparked a lot of discussion in the pages of Travel Daily this week about what the future holds. I don't want to downplay it. Definitely the extension of JobKeeper is a great win. But in hindsight, the fact that it's been done right across the economy, to me, reflects the fact that the government isn't particularly aware of the industry's dire situation. It was also very interesting to note a change in the rhetoric from the Australian Taxation Office. They sent out a an email about the program, highlighting what companies need to do to access the payments, but also giving ideas about how they can confidentially provide tip-offs about people illegally using JobKeeper outside the guidelines. So I think the government's also clearly concerned about people defrauding the system. Of course, no one in travel and tourism you know, needs to fiddle their figures to, to make sure that they comply, but I think it is telling and pretty disappointing that there's no sort of specific industry assistance for the travel and tourism sector. And in the midst of this coronavirus mess, Qantas made a big deal of the farewell of its jumbo jets this week. Why was this such a big moment for the airline? It's been really great that Qantas has been able to make the effort to honour the Boeing 747, despite the current situation where, of course, international aviation is completely on its knees, just like the rest of us. And a big contrast to airlines like British Airways, which just without any sort of fanfare announced they were retiring their 747 fleet. I was really lucky to be at the final farewell ceremony at Sydney Airport earlier this week, and I've got to tell you, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. You have to remember that for many people, that iconic double bubble hull with the Qantas logo on it is an absolute symbol, not just of the airline, but of Australia, and it's pretty sad to say goodbye to that. Qantas has been forced to bring forward the retirement of its jumbo jet fleet due to COVID-19, and it's certainly the end of an era. As well as carrying hundreds of millions of people over its 49-year history, the Qantas jumbo fleet's been in all the hotspots, rescuing Australians and bringing in essential aid. Places like Bali after the bombings, Sri Lanka and the Maldives after the, after the tsunami in 2004, Cairo in the, in the Arab Spring, Darwin after Cyclone Tracy, and most recently even in Wuhan, China, bringing Aussies home amid the early stages of the pandemic. 
And who else was at the farewell ceremony? Look, it was very much a Qantas family event. Just 150 people were able to attend due to COVID restrictions. And it was pretty much those who'd worked with the aircraft, pilots, engineers, crew, and as well as Alan Joyce, the Qantas CEO, making a really lovely speech about the history of the plane and about hopes for the future, the recovery of aviation. One of the 747 pilots even read a poem he'd written about the jumbo jet. They had a bloke there who's the oldest living Qantas employee and another fellow who loved that particular particular plane so much. His car has 747 OEJ number plates, the call sign of that final 747. It's a bit sad they couldn't make a bigger deal of it due to coronavirus, but I think under the circumstances it was a really touching and fitting send-off. Well, we've moved on from meatballs, but we all still need a drink. We're discovering the world with a cocktail in our hand, so help us drink our way around the world. Send your cocktail recipes into cocktails at traveldaily.com.au. I guess it is inevitable that we'll see some big changes in the industry due to COVID-19. And this week we saw that play out with the collapse of cruise company CMV. What's the story there? This is a really sad one. Cruise and Maritime Voyages, or CMV, was really on a roll until coronavirus hit. They had six ships, and although they're based in the UK, they had a big focus on the Australasian market, um, with a very active local office headed up by Dean Brazier and, you know, a really committed team. They had a lot of forward bookings, and that's not all. The fleet was expanding with even more ships familiar to Aussies, because they were taking over two ships currently sailing with P&O, which were set to join the fleet next year after a refurbishment. So what happened to them this week? Well, like all cruise companies, they've effectively got no income and heaps of expenses while global cruising is on pause. We've seen all the major listed companies go to the stock market to get extra funding to tide them over. And for CMV, there were earlier talks that they were looking for capital from various sources. And I think they just ran out of time to raise enough money to keep them going. So the owners were forced to place it into administration and it's all pretty messy. In the UK, they mostly sold packages to consumers, so they've been protected um, through a range of ABTA, the British Travel Agents Group has a bond scheme. There's also the ATOL program in the UK. But anyway, of course, none of that protection applies in Australia. And so local passengers here have been either told to do a credit card chargeback, see if they can claim on the travel insurance, or check with their travel agent what sort of arrangements can be made. And that's because of AFTA's ACES scheme, the chargeback program that was in place until AFTA had to suspend it earlier this year. Now, it hadn't been adopted right across the industry, but any agent who was an ACES member, uh, who that's ACS member, who had bookings made through the scheme before the 1st of May, I think should be covered by the supplier failure provisions. And I must add, it's all pretty disappointing because this is a little cruise line on its way to being big with a niche product that really suited its clientele, you know, kind of what cruising is all about. Let's hope there aren't any further collapses in the offing, but in these crazy times with the huge costs of having chips in layup with no revenue and no foreseeable restart date, who knows? And speaking of the global pause on cruising, what's the latest on that front? Yeah, well, it's been another really busy week for travel agents who are now dealing with yet another wave of these ongoing rolling cancellations and suspensions. We've seen Carnival Australia confirm that it now doesn't expect to get things going again until November. And let's hope that's an achievable date because then it means that um, we would at least see some semblance of a summer program down under. Carnival's suspensions include the local operations of Princess, P&O and Carnival Cruise Line. And although they're hoping for a resumption sooner rather than later here, globally, Princess has said... It 
doesn't expect to get back to cruising till the middle of December at the earliest in Asia and the USA. We've also seen Viking this week cancel this year's world cruise, which was set to depart from Fort Lauderdale for London on the 14th of December, sailing right through until May 2021. So that really, I don't know, to me, pushes the uncertainty out a lot further, unfortunately. There was some movement this week from Clear, which has started communicating with the industry about what it's doing to help get the situation going. I spoke to Clear's global chairman, Adam Goldstein, from his home in Maine, and it really emphasised to me the uncertainty of the situation, unfortunately. And why is that? What did he say? Well, look, you know, he he's cruise royalty. He's been involved at the highest levels with Royal Caribbean for many years and now, yes, clear global chairman. And along with other cruise line chiefs, he had a meeting with US Vice President Mike Pence back in March when the first Centers for Disease Control no-sale order was put in place. So you'd think they'd have the ear of officials and the government, but he told me this week that there were mixed messages going around and he wasn't even sure if the CDC would consider input from the industry as a whole or was instead planning to negotiate with individual cruise lines about their restart plans. The CDC now says the US no-sale order is in place till the end of September. And even more concerningly, if you look into the detail of it, they they pretty much say they believe cruise ships are a higher risk situation for COVID-19 than other places, you know, other tourism product. I just felt there was not much clarity about a way forward. We all know that all the cruise lines are working like crazy to come up with their plans. And every day we hear about a new protocol. But apart from in Europe, governments just really don't seem to be engaging with cruising and they seem to be pretty much anti the sector. As someone very wise told me early in the piece, it's going to be a very brave politician who gives cruising the green light. And even in terms of a trans-Tasman bubble, what's going on in Victoria at the moment is definitely going to be uh, a disincentive for New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern to drop her guard anytime soon. So I hope we can at least get some domestic small ship departures going. And I guess there's some good news in that we're starting to see more and more other domestic land product come online for agents to sell in the meantime, like the return of Journey Beyond's The Gan next month. So a few bright spots amid the gloom. Let's try to focus on them. Well, thanks for listening. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.